Well, today, I want to talk about, like, when I started following Jesus, uh, and maybe you feel this way when you started following Jesus, when we started following Jesus, one of the things that was really important to me is I, I wanted to see the stuff. I didn't just want a religious experience, and I didn't want to just not feel that bad uh, about my sin. Um, I wanted to see God do the stuff. Do you know what I mean? Like, I wanted to see the miracles. I would read the stories, and I wanted to, I've tried, I, we, had a, we had an above-ground pool in Cleveland, Ohio. I wanted to walk on water. I never succeeded. I wanted to see the stuff. I wanted God to speak and to do things that were, like, in the Bible. I wanted them to him to do that in my life and in the life of the churches and the ministries uh, that I belonged in. Whenever I talk to other Christians, I want, I, they, they wanted to see this stuff too. They wanted God to work in their family's lives. They wanted God to work in their community uh, and among the people that they love. And, and today, um, I want to give us a glimpse into how that's possible and what's required for us if we want to see that stuff. And Far too often, I think people, we just resign to like, well, I went to church on Sunday, um, or I'm a good person, and I get through it, and so on. But I, I don't want to give up on that dream. I don't want to give up on like, God, we want to see you do the stuff. And I want us to become a community where we're after the stuff. And I'm going to say a little bit more about what that means. And uh, like I said, we want to see him work. We want to see him be known. And, and so we're going to take a look at that verse one more time. There's a glimpse into how we do this. There's a principle that we have to learn. So in Matthew 7, uh, it says, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. Everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds. And the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of you, if your son or daughter... Uh, ask for bread, we'll give him a stone. I don't know any parent that would do that, right? Or if he asks for a fish, will you give him a snake? That would be cruel. If then, you, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? And these, like I said, these verses are a glimpse into what we have to do, what you and I must learn if we want to see God work in our lives, and in our city, and in our community, and in our church, and in this room here. And in these verses, you see, he says, ask, seek, knock. There's, a, there's, a, there's something that actively that we have to do where we have to participate and ask God for things. And the thing we're asking for is the kingdom of God. What is the kingdom of God? It's God's presence and his power that comes to earth and helps us and makes the world new again. Because one day, every tear will be dried. There will be no more heartbreak. There will be nothing like that. There will be no sin. There will be no war. There will be no violence against people. Because God is going to renew the world and remake the world. And God, and Jesus, says to his disciples, he says, ask for that. Ask for my kingdom to come into your world. And he says, and also he's talking about the Holy Spirit. He's saying, invite the Holy Spirit into your life and into the world because the Holy Spirit will give you the power you need to see the stuff. And so Jesus says, all we need to do is ask for it. But also there's a principle in these verses that we have to learn in the asking. And there's something that we have to do in order to chase down God's vision for us. And this principle, it comes back to us time and time again, and it's something that we can remember, and it's something we can embrace, and it's important to understand the, 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 the difference between God's effort and what God's going to do and what we are supposed to do. Are you ready for it? Are you ready? 
Uh, Nicole, are we ready for it? I love it. We match. Are you ready for it? I, I saw her get dressed and I put on the exact same outfit on purpose. Are you ready for it? The principle is this. You ready for the principle? The principle is this. God comes where he's wanted. God comes where he's wanted. When we look at the scriptures, when we look at the history of the church, when we look at the history of all the revival movements and the renewal movements in the United States and other things uh, that we've experienced across the world where God's presence was there, when God was doing things, you're like, that is amazing. I would have never expected that person to come into life with Jesus. We would have never expected. When we look at the lives of our, the Christian heroes, the Christian heroes, the people we look up to, we go, I, I appreciate that person. I look up to, when you look at them, they all have one thing in common. In the scriptures, in church history, in renewal movements, they all have one thing in common. And that thing is God comes where he's wanted. God comes where he's wanted. It means God's manifest presence comes and dwells among the places and the people who say, God, you are welcome here. God, you are welcome here. Now, some of you are theologically astute. And you're saying, well, technically, Chris, I believe that God is omnipresent, which means uh, omni, he's, he's everywhere. God is everywhere. And I would say, yeah, that's true. We believe as Christians that God is probably everywhere. And so you would say, Chris, what are you actually saying God comes where he's wanted? Well, what am I saying here? Well, God comes where he's wanted means that God reveals himself in a tangible way in a real tangible way that you didn't see happening before. There's evidence, evidence of his power and his love working in people. And he's welcomed into the places where he's wanted. Okay? So what does this look like? It means the sick are made well. It means the brokenhearted and the disenfranchised are mended. It means marriages are restored. It means families are healed. It means the needs of the poor in a community are met. It means the systems of injustice are challenged and replaced with systems that are better for the world. It, it means that those who need wisdom get wisdom, and those who are overworked and weary, they find rest, and those who need patience and power, they receive it. But it's not just for the, for the church that God, when God talks about this, or when Jesus is talking about this, he's talking about this is for our city. When God's power and presence comes, it's not just for this little group of people and all the other churches that are meeting around here at the same time. It's not, you know, it's not just for us. When Jesus came and decided to bring his kingdom from heaven to earth, heaven coming to earth was meant to benefit our cities and our world regardless if they were showing up on Sunday. And so there's so much good stuff that should be happening here that it should spill out into the world. And so that's what it means when we say God comes where he's wanted. And if there's people out there in the world and they don't know God, then they're not going to want him. So that be put, the, you know, the responsibility is on us then to start to invite him in places where we want him. And throughout the scriptures, we see that God comes where he's wanted and so on. And so I want to talk to you um, about this. We can't control God. We can't create a formula here where we say, God, we want you to come. And we can't make him do things. We can't make revival happen. Like if you look at the history of revivals, it always happened uh, among people uh, when they weren't expecting it. There's no formula 
that's going to get God to do what you want him to do. You cannot bend the will of God towards you. You can only say, God, I want you here. God, we want you in this place. We want you in our lives. You can't make him do anything. But there's three principles. There's three principles attached to this idea of God comes where he's wanted. I want to talk to you about them because I want to make sure you capture it. Okay, you ready for number one? You can, if you have a pen, uh, you can, if you need a pen, I have one here. I can throw it to you. If not, okay, God comes where he's wanted. The first one is in our hearts. In our hearts. God comes where he's wanted in our hearts. In Revelation 3.20, it says, here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat and with that person and they with me. God comes where he's wanted. Guys, girls, men, women. It starts in our hearts. We say, God, the cry of my heart is to welcome you in. You're wanted here. And I want to be clear that this is not the sinner's prayer. You ever hear the sinner's prayer where that God, I confess my sins and now I choose to follow you. I'm going to follow Jesus and I appreciate what you've done on the cross and so on. That's not what this actually is. This is the way that God says to us. He said, we want you, God, we want you. We want to invite you in uh, to our hearts. We want to give you, uh, we want to give you our hearts and everything that our heart is attached to. We want to get rid of that because we want to be only attached to you. And so I got to ask you a question Pacific City Church, where are you with this door-knocking analogy? Where are you? Because you get this impression that, like, imagine that your heart is a house, okay? A house in Santa Monica, so it's a very nice house. Um, You bought the lot for $3 million. It's a teardown. You put up your $10 million mansion north of Montana. Anyone with me? Uh, (laughs) And so you've got the door of your house, and it's that big oak door with the thing and the thing. It's all grandiose, right? You've got that roof and all the stuff. So you have your house. And you imagine Jesus knocking on the door of your heart. Some of you, some people have decided to leave him outside. They don't want him in at all. They say, you can just stay on the porch. Porch is good enough for you, Jesus. Others of us, some people, we knock, he, he knocks on the door of our heart. We let him in. And we let him into the atrium with the big ceilings and then the curvy staircase and we just let him, just, why don't you just hang out in the foyer, or the foyer, for where I'm from. Just hang out in the foyer. You don't, no, come no further. Keep your shoes on. You're not going to be here long. And then other people are like, hey, why don't we move you over to the living room? So you take Jesus, and you bring him over to the living room. You get him comfortable in certain parts of, like, your life. And, and then, like, he's like, this is great. Can I get a tour of the rest of the house? And he's like, where do you want to go? You're like, where do you want to go? Like, well, let's go to the bedroom. And you're like, okay, well, now we're getting a little personal, Right? And you know, well, no, how about next time? Or maybe not at all. Or maybe you want to go to the kitchen. Or maybe you want to go to the exercise room or any of the other rooms. Where are you at with Jesus and this door knocking analogy? Behold, I stand at the door and knock if anyone lets me in. And what I've experienced, what I know to be true about God is when we invite him into our lives, uh, he just doesn't like to be outside. He doesn't like to be in the foyer. He wants all of us. But he only wants to come if he's wanted. So are there parts of your life, are there things in your life where you've said, God, I want you, but only this far? I can't tell you what those things, I could try to prophesy what I think those things could be for you, but I'm not going to do that today. I'm not going to call it out. But each of us, myself included, we have to wrestle with the fact, are there things where we say, God, I want you. 
God, I want you, um, but I don't want you here. Everything but here. Everything but my finances. You can be Lord over the bedroom. You can be Lord over my relationships. You can be Lord over all the things, but um, how I spend my money, what I do with my, that's my business. Uh, and he's like, well, why don't we go over to the computer and, and log on to your chase.com account. Let's see how you spend money. And you're like, oh, 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 I'm not giving you my password. <laughs> that's not safe in these times, Jesus. And you're like, no. And he's like, no, I want to see. And what you will find is, is that there's a good and loving God who wants all access to your life, but he only wants to come if you want him there. And you're going to have to wrestle with it. Is there something or are there some things? Reeve said, God, I don't want you there. And that's going to keep you from experiencing the power and the presence of God in your life. Um, number two, God comes where he's wanted in our hearts. God comes where he's wanted in our homes. In our homes. In our homes, you will find these things like they're called relationships. And some of you are uh, married. Some of you have roommates. Uh, some of us have children. All the things. Human relationships in homes. So we need to ask the question, God, have I welcomed you into my home? Uh, another way to ask this is, God, where in our home are you having to compete for our home's attention? Where, am I, where do you have to compete for our home's attention? I know um, if I could just uh, call out us, yeah, like God competes with our iPhones. Uh, I have a TikTok account that I've been working on, and I have a great algorithm, and I get hilarious content uh, served to me. Uh, we have iPads. We have so many iPads, we even keep the broken ones. We have all the streaming services, all of them, and we can watch Hulu Live Sports, and we can watch Netflix. What's that show you're watching? Sweet Magnolias? Oh my God, it's, like, it's so bad, dude. It's like a Lifetime original put on Netflix. She was watching it, and I'm very astute to Christian things because of my profession, and so I'm there, and I'm, um, it, it's on for 30 seconds, and I'm like, oh my God, the entire cast are born-again Christians, aren't they? And she's like, how'd you know? I'm like, I'm pro. So anyway, I have, we have all the services. You can watch all the things. And we're getting a notification. Have you ever, who has TikTok who's willing to admit it? I, I, I don't do, I don't, I don't post. I don't create content. I consume content. Have you ever scrolled long enough where that person pops up and he goes, whoa, you've been scrolling quite a bit. Have you ever had that? Yes, I have. You have to go deep, like two hours straight. <laughs> And they're, like, and they're like, even, you know, the, the tech world is saying, you need to get off your phone. <laughs> and now, now most of us, now most of us, most of us would say that we have invited God into our homes on the level of belief. You have roommates, you'd say, oh yeah, we're all Christians. You're married, or you plan to be married, you'd say, yes, we all believe that Jesus died for our sins and he rose again, and that is what we believe in our homes. And, and that's really wonderful, I love that. Really good, right? We've all invited God into our homes on the level of belief. But have we invited God into our homes on the level of practice? On the level of practice. Um, there's this one, um, there's all the shows, right? You know, the Property Brothers, maybe the other one with the kind of the, uh, it's called Flipping Out, um, where like they flip homes, right? I'm thinking HGTV, home flipping shows. Are you, have, has anybody seen any of these, right? Uh, they're great and they're wonderful. And uh, the ones that are usually where they have cast members from LA. Oh, by the way, does everyone know that there's a third Property Brother? And he looks like an emo guy. It's really fun. Look it up later. So there's three Property Brothers. There's the two, right, that are on TV. And there's a third one that's very like, 
you know, I'm too cool for TV. So anyway, you watch one of these shows, and ones that are especially based in Los Angeles, there's these moments where, like, they'll buy a house, and something terrible had taken place in the home before they purchased it, and what do they do? They're like, well, before we do anything, there's just bad vibes, and they do a whole scene, and you know what they do. They go in, and they bring some crystals, maybe some amethyst or something. Uh, maybe they bring in the sage, and they do the smoke thing. Have you ever seen, the, have you ever seen like, we just kind of clear this place out. They generally don't do this in Wisconsin. They generally do this in homes in LA. Uh, so it's like a very, you know, but it's a very spiritual thing where they're trying to clear out evil spirits or bad vibes. And my question to us is this, if people who don't claim to know the living God, are aware that there are spiritual forces in the world and they're willing to do whatever, use the sage, use the crystals or whatever, how much more should we as people who claim to be in relationship with the living God be willing to welcome the spirit of God in our homes? You understand? You understand that if the world is out there throwing sage around, how or it's sage, right? They're throwing these, they're, they've got the smoke in the, th- how much more should we say, God, we want you in our homes? God, we want you on the level of practice, not just on the level of belief. We want you in the level of practice. And we welcome you into our homes, not just on the practice, uh, not just on the belief level, but in the, between the hours of 5 p.m., and midnight, we welcome you into our home. Like, we don't just watch everything. We, we take time to watch things like the Bible Project, which, by the way, is something we've been doing as a family. Is everyone aware of the Bible Project? Write this down if you don't hear anything. By the way, you should hear more things than this. But, you know, with the Bible Project, it's someone that's explained the Bible on YouTube with these drawings. And I got to tell you, it is fascinating. And it's really taken our job away from uh, trying to show our daughter uh, what the Bible's all about because it explains it in a crystal clear way. Everything from spirits to like the kingdom of God uh, to the resurrection of Jesus. Anyway, find it. The Bible Project. Watch a couple of them and see what it'll do for you. But have we welcomed him in? You know, and have we welcomed Jesus in uh, on the level of practice in uh, the way we relate to one another? Like there is a way that the world relates to one another, but there is also a way that Jesus wants to relate to us and has a relate to others uh, in our things. So if we want to see change in our communities, if we want to see change in our city, there's going to be a moment when the outside world is going to be looking in at your life. Uh, they're going to be off, they're going to be looking at it, they're going to be looking in and they're going to be asking in them themselves or they're going to be commenting on Twitter and they're going to ask, show me your life, show me the evidence, what evidence do you have in your personal life that would lead me to believe that I need what you've got? And they're going to ask you, they're going to say, show me your household, show me your home, whatever your living situation is, what evidence do you have along with your closest relationships that would lead me to believe that my family, my roommates, my household need what you got. And folks, there is no way to get the world to pay attention uh, to what God wants to do, to the, God's power and presence, if there isn't evidence in your life and if we aren't honest about where we are in that. And there, there must be some level of presence and power. We must want Jesus in such a way uh, where he is in our lives and in our homes first. I just don't see any way around this, guys. That like when we're, when we're out in the world, if our lives don't add up, if our lives don't make sense, 
and there's no sense that God has done anything in our lives, you have no chance with your coworkers. You have no chance with that person that you're praying for. If you're praying for someone and you're like, you know what, I really want them to come to faith in Christ, but you are a bad person or you are rude at work, you are not adding up. And neither would I be if I was in that situation. There has to be something where we welcome God into our lives and our homes so that when we go out into the world, people go, okay, okay. I don't know if I believe that Jesus rose from the dead, but I do like you. There's something different about you. Third thing, God comes where he's wanted in our churches. God comes where he's wanted in our churches. Um, no, you would say, you know, God comes where he's wanted in our churches. I mean, like, really? You'd say, really, Chris? I mean, we're all here at church. Isn't God here? I, I don't know. I mean... I think this question and this point is a little bit more complicated. I, I would say this. Today, the American church has a problem that it's facing, and the problem that it's facing is the problem of consumer church, and it's revealed the difference between fans and followers. And if COVID-19 has revealed anything, uh, man, you know, as soon as the pandemic hit, like, what happened to the American church? Like, it just blew up. Like, it just went in all these different directions. But let me tell you a little bit more about fans and followers. What is a fan? A fan is, and uh, yeah, uh, my, a fan is, he waved his hand up, so, you know, he was like, yeah, you're a fan. A fan is an enthusiastic admirer. An enthusiastic admirer. What is a fan? A fan is a guy at the football game. He's at the football game. And you know what I mean, he loves the team, he's got the jersey, he watches games on TV, he sits in the stands, he cheers for the team, he's got the signed jersey uh, hanging on his wall at home, uh, and every once in a while, he might even call into a sports radio show to scream at the top of his lungs and say, you don't know what you're talking about, this guy's the best in the world. He ne but get this, he's never in the game, he never sweats. He doesn't train on the field. He doesn't go to training camp. And sure, he knows all the players and he knows all the stats, but he doesn't know any of the players personally. He yells and he screams and he cheers, but nothing's really required of him. And there's no actual sacrifice that he has to make as a fan. And here's the hard truth to swallow. Even though he is really excited about his team, if his team starts to let him down, or if his team has a few bad seasons, or like, uh, his, what, what are you going to see? His interest is going to wane. And he might leave the stadium early. He might turn off the TV and do something else with his time. And if his team turns out to be really bad, he might just switch allegiances and join another team. What is a fan? It's the person who loves Taylor Swift. Uh, I'm just going to use Taylor Swift. To, this person who loves Taylor Swift, she knows all her hits. She knows all the number one songs. She knows all the B-sides and only the songs that the real fans know. And she knows every Taylor Swift song because she's a Swifty. And she knows what high school Taylor Swift went to. She knows her birthday. She even has suspicions that Taylor was secretly married so she could avoid the thing with the press. And then also she knows the color of Taylor's hair, even though Taylor might not even know the color of her hair anymore. She knows everything there is to know, but she doesn't actually know Taylor Swift. She's not actually connected to Taylor. In real life, she's a huge fan, and she's an enthusiastic admirer. So here's what I think. I think that a lot of churches have fans these days. And the people who attend church, they cheer for Jesus. And when things are going well, 
but they're kind of not so around when things don't go as well, when things get difficult. And churches have a lot of fans who sit in the stands, and they know nothing of the sacrifice or the pain or thing, when things get difficult or the faint things of the field. And churches, um, they know a lot about Jesus, but they haven't actually welcomed the presence of Jesus into their life, into the life of the church. And here's the thing. Jesus, when we look at everything that he said that was written down about him, Jesus was never interested in having fans. Jesus never wanted to have fans at church. And when he taught the disciples, just as he teaches us now, he describes the kind of disciples in a worshiping community, uh, but he does not use the term enthusiastic admirer. That isn't one of the options. And so, you know, this is one of the concerns I have. Uh, this is one of the concerns some of my fellow pastors have about the church in America. And we, as a community here at Pax City, we're rebuilding. This is one of the concerns we have about Pax City. In many ways, many of our churches have moved from being sanctuaries to stadiums. And all the fans come to the stadium when they cheer and they get on their feet. But they may not have interest in welcoming Jesus on his terms. And the difference is, is that the fans want what they want, but a fowler wants what Jesus wants. And the biggest threat to the church today are fans who would call themselves Christians, but they're not actually interested in following Christ on Christ's terms. And they want to be close enough to Jesus, but they don't uh, want to be close enough to have to submit and follow what Jesus might say. Now, if what I'm saying seems serious, well, it is. It is serious. God comes where he's wanted in our churches. Means that we need more than just great beliefs and great theology and a great Sunday experience. Uh, what we need, what we need, we need to recognize that God looks at the soul of our church. God looks at each person's heart in our church, and he, God looks at what we do as a community. And so what we must begin to do is to reject the moralistic, therapeutic, deistic view of God that manifests in some sort of pastoral leader that can affirm, you know, we say, you know, whatever I want in this leader, this person's going to give it to me. And if they don't give it to me, well, there's a church down the street. I can just go to that church and whatever. I can feel, I can just, I can feel led to attend somewhere else. And the phrase, you know, God comes where he wants in our church doesn't mean that we get to define God on our terms. We allow God to define himself on his terms and what he wants and what he's saying to us. And we say, all we do, what we do in this is we say, God, we want you on your terms. We want to take seriously the scriptures of what the scriptures say to us, of what they teach us as a church community, and this means we will commit to the scriptures. This church will be always committed to the scriptures about what it says about not giving up on meeting with one another and being in each other's lives. The scriptures say that we need to be consistent in sharing our lives and consistent in the confession of sin and having transparency with others. If we're just coming here and we're not actually, I mean, you're all facing this way, but eventually if you're not facing this way towards each other and building real relationships, and if you're not finding transparent relationships in this church, we're all messing up. 
That's the point of this is not for you just to listen to me, but for you to be connected with one another and for me to be connected to you and so on. Circles are better than rows because the transparency that happens and the confession of our sin, once we say it out loud, there's some healing that happens in the form of community and we actually get better. We actually start to see God working in us and among us. But um, yeah, uh, you know, uh, taking seriously God comes where you want means we practice what we preach. It means we pray for the sick. We pray for God's healing in our physical bodies. It means that we historically, we do historically what churches have done to lead people to healthier lives. And so, um, you know, um, one of the things uh, Jesus said to the outside world, he said, you know, listen, how do you, I won't, let me say this right. The outside world will know you are my followers because of what? Because of your awesome Sunday morning service? Um, because you finally got projection back? Because you were able to shoo out the squirrels? Uh, is it, uh, you know, people will, in the outside world will know you're my disciples. Why? Because you've got a smoke machine and lasers? Uh, because your pastor is funny? or because you like the community groups or whatever? No. Jesus said, listen, disciples, gather around. Stuck. They're going to know you are my disciples by how you love one another and how you treat one another. How you love one another matters. And so when we take this third point, God comes where he's wanted in our churches, um, we don't want to offend the Holy Spirit by not loving one another well, and by not welcoming him in, in every aspect of our church. Now, um, I, um, I'm going to talk more about uh, a vision for a city next week, but I want to say this at the end. Um, we never wanted to start a church and just have a vision for the church. We've always wanted a vision for the city. And the key, di- the key difference is when you have a vision for the church, you worry about church things. You know, is the communion the way I like it? And does Chris make the jokes I want him to make? Uh, what do they think about the communion? Like, you start to get more, like, ingrown and focused on the things that happen in this room. But a vision for the city is, God, we want your kingdom and your power and your presence. Well, we want the real living God to break out in our city. And God, as the king of the universe, we want you to do that. And you're at the center of your mission. The church is not at the center of your mission. Jesus, you are at the center of the mission and we get to join up with what you're doing in the city. And so always, always, if you go to our website and you look at our, go to our about us and you can figure out if we're a cult or not before you come and visit, and you have, um, that we're not. Um, <laughs> uh, you'll look at our vision. Uh, look under, we have a vision and a mission. And our vision statement says to seek the cultural, uh, the social, and the spiritual renewal of our city. Because always, 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 forever, uh, this is great that we're here. But this place, when we got this place, where we're at today, these people, it is designed to be out there and to seek God to do uh, and ask God to do amazing things in our city, socially. I mean, of all the problems we have, we need God's power and presence. Uh, Spiritually, there are evil forces that God wants to press back and fill our homes and our people and our communities, our our, um, you know, everything uh, with his power and his presence. And so um, our, our, the way we plan this 
is we say to ourselves, we remind ourselves, God comes where he's wanted. And so we first, like I said, we start with us. And then we talk about our families, our homes, and our churches. And when we do that, we're perfectly positioned to ask God, God, we want you in our community. We want you in our city. We want you to break out and do something new. So um, my invitation to you is uh, from your chair right now to say, God, you're wanted. You're wanted. Um, why don't we all stand? And we'll invite the band to come back up. Um, we're going to worship one more time together, but why don't we... Um, why don't, we, why don't we linger in that moment for a minute? So if you feel comfortable, uh, open your hands uh, like this. And this is just an outward sign of an inward expression. If you don't feel comfortable, don't feel any pressure. Nobody, no, one's gonna, no one should be looking anyway. So basically, here's what's up. I'm going to pause, and we're going to wait on God. And what this is is like, God, we want you to speak to us. And so we invite your presence, Holy Spirit. Come and talk to us. Come speak to each person here. God, we say you are wanted. We want you here. We come before you today. We want your power and your presence. You are invited here. I'm going to start with the first one. God, we're going to talk about your life. God, we welcome you into our hearts. Oh, I just have this impression. God is knocking on certain rooms in your heart. Yield to him. Give him their, give, release control. And if that's you, just wait on God and wrestle with him in this moment. So God, in all the areas, we want you in our lives. God, we want you in our homes. We welcome you into our homes. Give us, as I pray, give us ideas. Give us things that we could do to welcome you in. We don't want to offend you. We want you in our homes. And God, we want you here in among your people today, in this room, among these, among these people in this church. We welcome you. I ask right now, God, that you begin to speak to people, that they would begin to rise up, and you would give them thoughts and ideas, uh, that you would encourage them how to welcome you into this church. We're going to worship one more time together, and as always, there's going to be an opportunity for some of you to respond. If there's something in particular in one of those three areas, uh, the church area, the home area, or the, or the personal life area, and you would like someone to pray with you, make your way to the front area, uh, and uh, someone on our prayer team will pray for you about whatever it is. And they're not going to ask you a lot of questions or give you a lot of advice. They're just going to pray that God would do something. And as always, if you're suffering from some sort of physical ailment, uh, we believe that God still heals. Um, he doesn't always heal, and we don't understand why. Uh, but we do notice more coincidences the more often we pray for healing. So if you are suffering in your body in some way, 
If there, if you have a condition, we would love to pray for you as well. So um, if that's you, over the course of the next song, just make your way forward and someone will find you and we'll pray with you. And uh, let's worship together.